And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck him up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. If you smell what the rock is cooking. I think that's a, it's a different rock, dude. <laughs> dude, I cannot tell you how, spoiler alert, we're doing the rock. I cannot tell you how hard it was to find info when I was typing in the rock and everything was like Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> And I'm like, look, I love the guy. He was one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but enough is enough. So I had to put like the rock film and then be like, did you want the biography on the rock? And I'm like, no, it's <laughs> like this ambiguous with uh, Dwayne Johnson. I yeah. know. It's brutal. Oh, gosh. Hey, man, I am doing so good. I think I think. Yeah, it's a great day today. Uh, happy to be alive. There we go. How are you? I am fabulous. No complaints. Zero. You I had a, I had them, but they went away. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've had a, a crazy busy day and I commend you, sir. And someone's got to do it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is no problem. Happy to do it. Yeah, this is, this is the business we've chosen. That's a that's a that's a Godfather two quote for you. Oh, all I knew was. Ah, fuck, I forget the line. What does he say when he kisses when he kisses Fredo and he's like, I knew it was you or something like that. Yeah, you broke my heart, Fredo. You broke my heart, Fredo. Oh, that was sad. But like, don't wasn't... you come around here again. I'll, I'll fuck you up, man. <laughs> <laughs> what wasn't sad was before we started recording, we were talking about uh, trivia. You were doing some trivia. Uh, today at work, we had some HR trivia. We did three rounds, and I was kind of like, uh, I don't know how good I'm going to do with this. I ended up getting two first place finishes and one second place finishes, finish Whoa, out of those rounds. Dude, I won two uh, Amazon gift cards. I was pretty happy. That's sweet. What are you going to buy? Um, Funko Pops, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the money's already paid for. It's already spent. You can't really do a whole lot with it. You can't you can't turn in the Amazon gift card for like a certificate of deposit. You got to you got to spend that money. It's burning a it's burning a hole in your pocket, see? I'm going to take it to a coin star and reverse it into coins. I'm just going <laughs> to put it all into coins. <laughs> You'll be jingling jangling up and down the block and that'll be great. And then I'm going to get one of those dispenser things like we were talking about at casinos, the coin, oh, coin yeah. dispenser <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are great. They're kind of dirty. Coins are dirty. They're very dirty. Very dirty. I'm going to sanitize them all. See, i got a lot of Purell. All right, I got to lick them. <laughs> Jeez. Anyhow. <laughs> That's how it works. Gross. You use your mouth germs to get rid of, to kill the germs on the coin. See. Are you uh, are you watching anything these days other than oh, their rock? <laughs> yeah, I watched uh, quite a bit actually. Uh, watched Palm Springs, absolutely loved it. Thought it was so good. I watched um, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, and The Last Crusade. I actually started with The Last Crusade, and I was like, you know what? I need to watch number two. And I watched Temple of Doom, and I will probably watch Raiders again just because I love Raiders so much. Um, I watched Adventure Adventures in Babysitting, uh, and I watched. It's a very good one. Uh, and then I watched Drillbit Taylor today. That one didn't hold up very well. 
I don't like Julia like Taylor. Yeah. I still say so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, Daryl. Can't talk out of run. What an yeah. asshole. So cool. I know, and I'm watching hand. <laughs> I was I was watching Handmaid's Tale. I just finished it, and he's in it. Um, is that his name, Daryl? Yeah, so cool. Yeah, that no, guy. whatever. The, the, the kid or the brother? No, no, no. The, the Jack, the jackass who played Eric and Billy Madison. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's in everything. Yeah, that yeah, guy's in a he, lot yeah. of stuff. He's been acting since before I was born. Damn, bro. And then uh, I've also been watching some summer camp baseball because MLB starts tomorrow, uh, which would be Thursday, the 23rd at at the time of this recording. And I'm very, very excited. And the Mariners start on Friday. So I'm super excited about that. So, yeah, just in baseball mode. It's very weird with no fans in the in the uh, stadium. But, hey, sports are back, baby. What about you? How? Yeah, sure. How how many games are they going to play? To complete the season. 60, but that's if they can get through the entire season. It's really interesting this year, too. The NL is actually going to have designated hitters as well. There's a whole bunch of rule changes going on. Uh, That's in extra innings, though, I think, too. And in extra innings, a runner gets gets put on second base, so you can kind of expedite the game. Mm -hmm. So it's It's not like like a whole... (laughs) Yeah, kind of, right? Everyone starts with one out. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy how that works. The home runs are where I throw my something, bit. Yeah, the first person to do something even remotely remarkable, they're the winning team. Yeah, there easy, you go. Easy. So it's going to be really interesting to see, and, and rosters are a lot bigger, and then they'll gradually decrease. Uh, the the pitching rotation is going to be slightly different too. It's a higher, um, it's a larger bullpen, I should say, just because you know the guys have been out of practice and stuff for a while. So it'll be really interesting. I don't know how many dingers are going to be hit. There could be a lot of dingers, but uh, who knows? Dingers like a small boat. Man, that's a di- that's a dinghy. <laughs> Quit playing are you, are with you the, your dinghy. Are you the dinghy or are you the dinger? <laughs> what's what's the winning one there? I don't know. I'm the dinger guy. Brad- Bradley Whitford is the person you were talking about. There you go. B-dubs. Forgot. Yeah. I like uh, bring it back to Adventures in Babysitting when uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays the mechanic Dawson <laughs> and he looks like Thor and the little girl Sarah. She's like in love with him and she's yeah, the brother Brad's like, Sarah, come on. And she's like, don't listen to him. He says you're a homo. <laughs> and he's like, you spreading rumors about me, kid? <laughs> And it's like, yeah. it's so ridiculous. I laugh every time. I just turn into like a, an idiot little kid that thinks that's just the funniest thing in the world. I know. I laugh too. I thought it was it's really so funny. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, that's a lot of stuff you watched. You were busy, busy little bee. I know. I just kept it on in the background and stuff like that for the most part, because I've seen all those movies. So except for Palm yeah. Springs, I paid attention to that. Yeah, me too. I liked that one. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. But what did you watch? Holy shit, dude. So I, because I had hurt my back and I'm an old man now and I was just laying, I, I laid for like 80 days and 80 nights <laughs> in the last week. And uh, <laughs> so I watched the Hobbit trilogy yeah, and it's not good, but nope, um, no, it's not. I will say that Martin, Martin Freeman is such a fucking badass. Like he is totally Bilbo Baggins. And when he gives his little speech about being homeless and, and and how the dwarves don't have a home and how he wants to help them. I like immediately just start tearing up. I'm like, how does this guy just get me? Like, it's so cool that he's able to just connect with that character and be like on it, like 100%. And he just owns it. And I love that. And I honestly think that Bilbo Baggins is the greatest thing about the, the Hobbit trilogy. hundred percent agree. Say that right now. 
then I also watched some little swashbuckling action. Watched Pirates 1 through 3. Skipping 4 went on to 5. <laughs> uh, what's, wait, what's 4? Is it the... 4 is the one where they're looking for the, the Fountain of Youth and they're on the jungle the whole time and it's not good. It called? At World's End? No, no, that's the third one. On Stranger Tides? That might be it. The Long John Silver... Yeah, that's it. And it's uh, like, like Shane Black. Bowl. Or not Shane Black. Yeah. Uh, Ian, <laughs> Ian McShane. Black. Ian McShane. Yeah. Damn it, we said like three things. <laughs> Ian, Mc, Ian McBlackbeard. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's not good. I hate it. Yeah. And then I watched The Karate Kid Part 2. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a long, long movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is long. I mean, I realize it takes a while to fly to Okinawa, but the movie doesn't need to be as long as the flight. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, I watched National Lampoon's Vacation. Then I watched The Martian. And a lot of this was in the same day. So the the Hobbit trilogy was over two days. Pirates was all in one day. Um, yeah, fucking rocking and rolling on that one. And then my Sunday. This was Sunday. Started with Karate Kid 2, National Lampoon's Vacation, The Martian, then Napoleon Dynamite, then I fell asleep to King of the Hill. I, I just can't do anything. I was literally just laying on my back like an idiot and uh, just watching these shows. But The Martian is so goddamn good. I was just saying this on, on the Geek Legacy podcast that... Uh, I watched it. I loved it. I've seen it before. I saw it in the theater and I've seen it like probably five times now. And I honestly think that my top three Ridley Scott movies are uh, Alien, Thelma and Louise, and The Martian. In any order, I don't really care. But all three of those movies are just incredible and I love them to death. And I'll watch them any day of the week. Just throwing that out there. And then Napoleon Dynamite. I needed something different. I needed to kind of just detox. And Napoleon Dynamite did that for me. There you go. You should uh you should read The Martian. It's a really good read and it's uh it's very gripping and the movie did a, a great job of following it. They took some liberties, of course, but I was I was blown away when I saw it. I think it's highly entertaining and I think it's fun that they filmed a lot of it using GoPros, which I thought was super neat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ridley Scott is, is is brilliant. He's brilliant, I tell you. Ah, he's I mean, he's got a lot of bad movies too, but kind of like Michael Bay. <laughs> well, are you nuts? Michael Bay is amazing. Uh, he flies helicopters and he's got cameras and it's amazing. There you Gets go. shit done. Loves product placement. Explosions, yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I actually have a, I have a I have a question that I need to ask and I don't think I included it in these things. So, we'll actually get back to it, but there was a there was this whole idea that uh, he's very pro-military, and his movies are presented in a way that inspires folks to enlist into the, like, the army kind of thing. Like uh, it's like one giant army recruitment commercial when you watch like Transformers or uh, The Rock or whatever Bad Boys. You're just like, yeah, I want to go see some action and get in the shit. <laughs> and uh, and I just wondered if you have ever either heard that or buy into that at all. Oh, totally. He's I think he's the ultimate like badass conservative uh, patriot and none of the things that I am, but I I think that he is like Hollywood's conservative and he's all about, you know, in Armageddon, for example, when he, when uh, Greenpeace is trying to basically shut down the oil rigs and Harry's just like, no Greenpeace. uh." Uh, He, 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 he loves my daughter. Ben Affleck. (laughs) He's like, tell Gracie, I love her. Uh, Spoiler. But uh, he's very much about, he can put as many flags as he wants. And I heard a stat in uh, Transformers, I think four, maybe one of the shitty ones. <laughs> he, he put, he Age put of extinction. 
Yeah, there you go. He put 53 American flag shots in the film, which is about one flag per every three minutes. And wow. so he he's like the ultimate patriot and he's all about that. And I'm not complaining too much because I think it's pretty badass. But uh, yeah, I, I can see through that brainwashing shit. I'm not like I got to go be all I can be. So, right. right. But yes, I think you're absolutely right. He's, he, he, he loves his patriotism. There you go. I mean, that, that, that can be a good thing, I guess. But totally. Um, yeah. I thought that was worth mentioning. Totally. I read it in a, in a, in a magazine. <laughs> Probably <laughs> online somewhere. I don't know. Everyone always says, I read it. I read somewhere that this, this, and this. But um, I forget what we were talking about prior to the show. But I actually remember, oh, we were talking about Showgirls and how the guy got paid like two, two million bucks for the script or whatever. And I was like, I know I read that somewhere. And, and it was actually in a magazine at the dentist office of all places. It was like Entertainment Weekly or some shit. Uh, but I know I read it while I was waiting. And check this shit out. This is actually a funny story. Because I was with my dad at the dentist office. And we were on our way to go see Starship Troopers. And I was going to see it for a third time. How about that? <laughs> Holy shit. Right? Like a third time in like a week. I can't believe your dad took you to Starship Troopers. That's badass. I I, I, mean, I was Starship... seventeen. I mean, I was oh, a, I was a man. Enough. I had like hair in places, and like um, it was my mom that took me to see RoboCop in '86 when I was just six years old. Holy <laughs> shit, dude! That explains so much. I know, right? <laughs> Why I have big robots with machine guns on them in my house? <laughs> Freeze, punk. <laughs> but the uh, when I when I was like a kid and I was watching Starship Troopers the, for the first or second time, I was watching on our big screen TV. And it's just like when you play like a video game or something, and it's all calm and whatever throughout the movie. But the moment they were in the shower scene, my dad walks right past and he's like, "What is this shit?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> like, I loved it, but I was like, "Oh shit, I'm so sorry." <laughs> like, You're like, no, it's not naughty. Look, there's there's peen right there. It's no big yeah, deal. Look, look, there's bugs. You'll see. Just pay attention. Doogie Hauser's in it too. Just watch. Yeah, check this shit out. Check this shit out. But yeah, did we do a show on Starship Troopers, or are we not? We haven't done that yet. No, I, I want to though. That's what I was uh, gonna discuss. I'm, a, I, I'm afraid to talk about my one of my all time favorite movies. It's hard for me to articulate my thoughts when it's something I like a lot. <laughs> Don't worry, I don't really, I don't have much bad to say about it, I promise you. I don't know why that is, but it's just difficult for me to to put into words why I love something. <laughs> it's a good movie, you should go see it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just like when uh, someone asks you why, how you know you love someone. A lot of times you can struggle to come up with an answer, because it's just the little things that add up to a big thing. You know, it's hard to keep track of all that shit, you know? Just saying. I'm the same way with Starship Troopers. There you go. <laughs> and the Jaws. Chomp, chomp. Um, so, what? What? how far are we into? 15 what? minutes into this. <laughs> who, who gives a shit? This is fun. What movie are we doing today? <laughs> we, we are doing The Rock from 1996. Uh, it was a long time ago. I actually didn't get to see this on opening day because I was at a youth leadership conference, <laughs> if you can believe it. <laughs> No joke. It was my sophomore year in the high school, and uh, we are just getting ready to be the end of the school year, and uh, I had to go off to Chapman University for the weekend for for a leadership conference. It was uh, it was called Hobie, and it was all about like the Hugh O'Brien Foundation or something, and and it was amazing. The only the only drawback was uh, my my dad and my sister went to go watch The Rock while I was learning fun Cheers and things. 
<laughs> no joke. We would go outstanding, and we'd hold our hands up, up over our heads to make an O. It was, it was weird. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was it was an experience, but I had fun. I digress. Anyway, so the movie came out on June seventh, nineteen ninety six, um, and uh, it's directed by Michael Bay, one of our favorites. The one he he is a man that knows how to make an action spectacular. Uh, you look at Bad Boys. Uh, which actually came out the year before, which is also a really good action movie. Uh, you know, he adopted the the varying composition from shot to shot with all the fast, quick cuts and everything, which was really big in um, Asian cinema at the time. And he adopted it, and he fucking he hit a home run, as it were. Uh, so, Bad Boys One and Two, Armageddon, um, Zach's personal favorite, Pearl Harbor, and <laughs> um, all of the Transformers movies, which I will go on record saying I absolutely adore. The first two Transformers movies. I don't really so, uh, care for the third, fourth, or fifth, but I definitely love the first two. Agreed. Yeah, I'm glad we can agree on that. I really like like the guy in. Uh, I was just talking about this a few minutes ago with the, the little robot guy, the the RC car looking guy that's in um, that's hanging out with Megan Fox in two, and he's when they're going to try and find like Jetfire. He's like, this guy's this guy's a legend, like. Like chairman of the board. <laughs> That's like my favorite line in the whole movie. And then when uh when fucking Agent Sims is all trying to uh, to defeat Devastator and he's climbing the pyramid and he's like, one man betrayed by his country that yeah. he loves. <laughs> That's just cause uh John Taturo is such a fantastic actor and he's so, so hilarious. So yeah, he's like, I agree. He's like, What's your name, Sailor? And he's like, this is Captain So-and-so. He's like, oh, great. You got a real gun on that thing. He's like, that's classified. <laughs> Don't talk to me about classified. <laughs> I just love it. It's so funny. Uh, I just, he's, he's good. He's, he's a talented man. Uptown all the way. So back to The Rock. Uh, written by David Weisberg, Douglas Cook, and Mark Rosner. I don't have any data on them <laughs> to let you know what else they've done. I'm sure they're amazing, remarkable men. You know, like the, like the forefathers. There's only three, but we'll call it four. And uh, <laughs> different meaning, but it's still funny. Uh, the movie stars Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris, Michael Bean, Tony Todd, a legend who is now cancer-free. Thank you very much. Proud of that guy. Uh, Vanessa Marcel, who is absolutely gorgeous in this movie. Um, not that that has anything to do with her talent or anything. I just remember being a 16 year old boy in love with Stanley Goodspeed's fiance, mm-hmm. uh, John C. McGinley, who is in every goddamn movie. That's so weird. <laughs> he's got like a billion acting credits and he just shows up in the most random movies. So he obviously just loves working and he's just available. Uh, love that guy. Uh, David Morse. And I didn't include William Forsyth on this list. I totally forgot to mention him, but, uh, that man is, Pretty goddamn cool. I love William Forsyth, and I don't think he gets enough credit. I think he's pretty underrated. He's r- really, really good actor. Um, he, he nails every part that he's ever in. And uh, I think this role in particular is is perfect for him. Just sort of this hard-ass, no-nonsense FBI guy that uh, once you kind of get past a couple of layers, you can see that he's actually a pretty decent human being. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think he's a really good character. And uh, I am glad that he knocked that one out of the park. As it Dude, was. He, he was also about flat top. He was also flat top in Dick Tracy. He was. He's pretty good. Love it. Yeah. Um, just throwing that, just throwing it out there. You know, see where it lands. Um, I like the William Forsyth. 
Um, let's see here. Are you ready to go over a critical reception? Hell yeah. Can I hit you with my best shot? You can try. All right. Here we go. Our buddy from the Orlando Sentinel, <laughs> Jay Boyer. He hates every movie that we like. I think this is so remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, if it's not the most awful thing I've ever seen, it's close enough to make me wince. Wow. What, what a dick. is this guy's deal? He just hates fun. The man is a hater of fun. And that upsets me. I don't think he needs to find a different job. I know. He sucks. I mean, you got to enjoy what you do. And if you're constantly going to the motion picture show and shitting on it all the time, you're not going to enjoy what you do. Unless maybe he's just one of those. Uh, I, of course, I don't know the man. But uh, the quick snapshot that I've gotten from doing this podcast is that this person does not like the movies that we enjoy. And if he's constantly going to see them and hating them, then perhaps he should watch something else. Yeah. Totes. He, br- he probably likes Pirates 4. Probably. I think you're on to something. <laughs> I'll have to do some research. I'm fact-checking on that one. <laughs> Jesus. What a what a hack. Uh, let's see here. Gene Siskel. He's no longer with us from the Chicago Tribune. He he did not give it a pretty good review. He says, there, uh, there isn't a shot, scene, or sequence in which uh, the rock that doesn't move furiously, which is true, uh, typically with colored lights flashing onto our faces or onto those of the actors. So he just thought it was all about the visual effects, and that wasn't enough to to woo him, I suppose. Uh, Michael Wilmington from Chicago Tribune, same, uh, same paper. He says, since the plot is ridiculous, The Rock works best when it is most lighthearted. Uh, and I think that's true of any summer blockbuster popcorn movie. Like I can watch the Meg where Jason Statham is punching sharks. I can watch that all day long. If I have popcorn and a, <laughs> and a bucket of cola, I'm I'm good to go. I'm like, yeah, you, you punch that shark, man. <laughs> Shit. And I love animals, but you know that that megalodon's real no. piece of work. <laughs> yeah, doesn't count. Um, let's see here. Any other positive reviews? <laughs> I know. Shit. Uh, Jeff Strickler from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. He says, for action adventure fans, it just doesn't get any better than The Rock. Now, I will end it on that just because one of our first questions has to deal with what what is a great action movie and what does it take to be a good action movie and where does it rank amongst our favorite action movies? And I think that this guy hit the, the nail on the head there with uh, for every action adventure fan, uh, it just doesn't get any better than The Rock. I think that's a, that is a, an astute and accurate observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie had a budget of $75 million. It's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. But it's probably expensive to shoot in San Francisco. That's probably a pain in the ass, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. Um, Opening weekend, which I was not a part of, again, (laughs) because of (laughs) Hobie. Uh, (laughs) $25 million. And the United States, it grows to $134 million. And worldwide, you are looking at $335 million. Not too that's really successful. Like yeah, for nineteen ninety six, uh, that's yeah. fantastic. For a sophomore film, that is uh, pretty amazing. So, yeah, 
you want to hear some uh, fun trivia facts I read or I found? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Oh, so, so yeah, so okay, this was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, this was uh, Michael Bay's second movie. Is that what you meant by mm-hmm. sophomore film? Yeah. So the Bad Boys was his first. He did like mm-hmm. a bunch of music videos or some shit before that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. N- most notably Meat Loafs, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. I believe it. And I only say that because there were some pretty epic shots in that movie. <laughs> he's like, you know doing stuff <laughs> he's like singing he's, he's excited he's like in a castle kind of but not really yeah and uh playing the piano yeah it's like kind of got a phantom of the opera dracula vibe thing yep. going for it yeah it's like oh, yeah. i could see that i was always hungry when i listened to meatloaf for some reason <laughs> <laughs> yeah. remember he also had that on objects in the rearview mirror they appear closer than they are Mm-hmm. It's like that's not what the words say on the mirror, but <laughs> if you want to change it, you do you. You're an artist. I'll let you have that one. Close, close enough, Bob. Bob with yeah. bitch tits. So yeah, uh, yeah. So Sir Sean Connery insisted that producers build a cabin for him on Alcatraz, as he didn't want to travel from the mainland to the island every day. And the island being, yeah, the mainland being San Francisco, the island being Alcatraz, and he got what he asked for. When Sean Connery says, "Build me a cabin," you build him a <laughs> cabin, man. Shaken, not stirred, please. Jesus. Um, Michael Bay's idea for a sequel involves a now married Goodspeed in possession of the microfilm evidence who finds himself pursued by the government and with nowhere else to turn, he's forced to ask Mason for help. Justin, would you see that sequel? Uh, I would. I would see it. too. What would it be called? The Rock 2? Rockier? (laughs) You know, that's I'd probably be called like Goodspeed something. I don't think they could use The Rock. Yeah, true a rock product good speed good speed and mason yeah a, a rock movie like they did with hobbs and shaw <laughs> a rock story yeah yeah there you go um <laughs> uh, and then finally people told nicholas cage he could never work in action blockbusters because he was too quirky he took that as a challenge he is yeah. a quirky dude he's very quirky. i i think uh i think he has a way about him and yes. he's very spazzy he's got these big eye things and he's twitchy and he's he makes me anxious sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> dude, he's like he's like a tweak from from South, South Park. Park. Yeah, he's like ah, just like freaking out all the time. It's like, dude, calm your downs. What not the bees, feel? not the bees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. He's just he has a way about him. Like, there aren't any other human beings on this planet that are like Nicolas Cage and how he performs. And I I think he's a bit of a spaz, but whatever. I love the movie. Can't take hey. it away from. Him. There we go. All right, I'm going to read you a quick synopsis I wrote. So decorated war hero General Francis Hummel and his troop of rogue Marines steal 15 deadly gas bombs from a secured government base. General Hummel and his crew then take 81 tourists hostage as they set up shop on the famed prison Alcatraz. General Hummel demands the government to use its secret slush fund to pay several fallen soldiers who died fighting for their country but received nothing in return. Desperate to act, the feds enlist the help of chemist Stanley Goodspeed, a mild-mannered but brilliant FBI agent. The only problem is that The Rock is an impenetrable prison and requires someone with knowledge of the island. Enter John Mason, former SAS agent and current U.S. government prisoner, also the only man known to have escaped Alcatraz while in prison there. 
Mason is reluctant to help, but Goodspeed convinces him. The two join up with a team of Navy SEALs and infiltrate the prison. Mason leads them through the building, but a showdown in the shower room ends up in a brutal massacre with all of the SEALs being slaughtered. Mason and Goodspeed must work together in order to defuse the missiles and escape the rock. Our heroes run into many foes as they are successful in disarming 13 of the missiles. As the doomsday clock ticks down and the government has not paid out, General Hummel must decide if he should murder hundreds of thousands of civilians or just call it quits. General Hummel launches the missile but diverts it at the last minute. Some of his men doubt his allegiance to the plan and try to mutiny. A showdown transpires and General Hummel and several others are killed. Goodspeed finds the two remaining missiles and disarms them, while Mason saves him time and time again. Goodspeed battles a rogue marine in hand-to-hand combat. Just as Captain Fry gets the best of Goodspeed, he is surprised when Stanley shoves one of the gas balls into his mouth, killing him immediately. As Goodspeed struggles to survive, he is finally able to ignite signal flares, calling off a naval airstrike at the very last second. When the feds ask where Mason went, Goodspeed tells them that he is dead. Mason thanks Goodspeed and informs him to visit a church in Kansas for a special surprise. We later see Goodspeed and his newly wed wife running from the church carrying a secret roll of film containing many U.S. government hidden secrets. Goodspeed and Mason may not escape their governments, but at least they escaped The Rock. Boom. Boom. Like it? Yeah, I love great. it. Makes me want to relive the movie again and again. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah. Now, um, who was that nice man that loved this movie so much? Um, I can't remember. uh, Jeff Strickler. Yeah. From Minneapolis Star Tribune. Um, He he thinks it's uh, one for the ages when it comes to the action movies. And now, now where do you place The Rock as far as action movies go? Does it uh, fall into your top five? Maybe your top ten? Yeah, there's, there's like a lot that goes into this decision. And I mean, as we talk more, I think it's going to be nice to kind of like I'll explain a little more and then you can also maybe convince me otherwise. But I think I think it's easily in my top 10 for action films of all time, like without a doubt. Uh, I wouldn't say top five. Uh, There's a lot wrong with it, but I think the good of it and what it did for the industry of of action films, the genre outweighs, you know, the bad for it. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I, do you care to share what your favorite action movie is of all time? So it's it's hard because, I mean, before we were talking about this, you said T2, and I, it's really hard to argue that one. Um, I would I would maybe counter by saying Mad Max Fury Road just because of the feeling I got by watching that movie and seeing that done on such a scale was, was quite amazing. So it, it's like that, then T2, um, and then I would say Total Recall just for being a guilty pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. movie like I absolutely love a movie Robocop is up there too like we were talking about uh, oh gosh it just I don't even know Heat, Heat's got to be up there at some point just with what they did for um, staging the scenes and that whole bank robbery scene is amazing The Dark Knight uh, everything about that so yeah, so yeah, is, the, is the Dark Knight The Dark Knight's an action movie so I don't, know. I, I don't know I, I can I considered an action <laughs> I considered an action movie I just know that scene in IMAX and what Nolan did from that opening bank heist that's one of the most memorable opening scenes I've, I've ever seen in film and I think it was quite amazing but yeah yeah I mean it's up for up for debate but this is this is probably the only Michael Bay movie on my top 10 list um, but 
Oh he, man, I fucking love Bad lot. Boys too. <laughs> that one too is fucking good. <laughs> I do too. I do too, but I don't. I haven't seen it in a long enough time, so I don't know if I can classify it as like one of the top action movies of all time. Sure, I sure. mean that's fair. For, for anything like Predator's got to be up there too. Like anything with Arnold, just because of what he did for the genre as well. So I don't know. I'd have to sit down with my quill and my paper and write it out. Yeah, your parchment. So you it's interesting that you went from T2 to Fury Road because there's about 24 years separating those two movies. Yeah. And um, and they're both uh, exceptional. You know, there's like a, a crazy orchestra of, of terror that is that exists in Fury Road versus, uh, you know, an unstoppable killing machine coming after a group. You know, I mean, they're two very different things. One's like a, a Jason Voorhees Terminator type deal versus, you know, a horde of baddies. And this, uh, the stakes are, are definitely the same. You know, it's the end of the world and uh, you're going to die. But uh, two very different approaches. Uh, I find that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, like you said, in that 24 year span, I'm sure there are some that will change my decision. But I definitely think Fury Road and T2 are probably like one and two interchangeably sure. for me at that's, least that's fair i mean i'm that way with t2 and um starship troopers uh but i mean i think if if someone held a gun to my head and said quick name your top five i think fury road starship troopers robocop t2 and i don't even know what my fifth one would be i would die because i couldn't tell you what my fifth <laughs> one would be Aliens has got to be up there too at, at a certain point, but we already have one James Cameron, so it's like it's hard, you know. But see, and that's 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 another guy, right? So James Cameron makes a movie a decade, and they're always like amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you can argue Avatar. Avatar, sure, but I mean, it's <laughs> up until last year, it was the number one movie of all time. So yeah, yeah, the the world box office would disagree with you, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Um, it definitely ranks in the pantheon of amazing action spectaculars but uh we can come back to that maybe after the discussion you can put a number on it okay we'll see i don't know um so nicholas cage he's been working non-stop since before you were born as snape would say uh in fact the man starred in over 20 movies from 1990 to 2000 uh, i find that to be absolutely incredible he's won best actor for leaving las vegas which was in 1995 by the way a year before the rock um, but do you believe it was The Rock that that got the audience to buy into Nicolas Cage as the action star for Hollywood? Uh, you know, like a move over Arnold. We got fucking Nick Cage with his crazy eyes and his crazy hand twitches and and, and leather jackets and mullets and things. Because um, from here, we went on to star in Con Air, then Face Off, 8mm, uh, Bringing Out the Dead. He's working with a lot of talent here. He, he went from... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Michael Bay, right? To Simon West, to uh, who did Face Off? Was that like John Woo? Did he do Face Off? Yeah. I forget who did Face Off. Yeah, um, it was John Woo. Yeah, you have, uh, I think, was it, uh, who did Bringing Out the Dead? Was that like uh, oh, I don't know. Sazy or, oh, I don't know who did. It doesn't matter. Uh, then Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, you know, then Wind Talkers, National Treasure. National Treasure is a movie that, that Randy Van Dyke, a man that hates fucking everything except Indiana Jones and Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch National Treasure any day of the week. That's, that's so his, weird. That's his jam. He it's just so finds that, adve- that sense of adventure, like kind of like Goonies, you know, like going on a treasure hunt. We're going to find this kind of thing. And, um, you know, were were you personally 
uh, were you bought into Nick Cage as the go-to action man after seeing The Rock? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. He kind of took, or I should say, you know, this reminds me of, of Chris Pratt, basically. Like, Chris Pratt dynamically changed his role when he got cast in Guardians of the Galaxy. He lost a bunch of weight. He posted the shirtless pictures. And then it was like, boom, action film after action film after action film. Uh, he was in talks to play, you know, Indiana Jones. We were like, he should do that. But he completely switched his routine to action films. And this was his his first go around with it. Um, you know, the Con Air is still one of my most guilty pleasure films like of all time. I love so j- just the other day. It was July 14th and I, I messaged you the I picture know, it's, of it's <laughs> my daddy's birthday is July 14th. <laughs> yeah, I have a nephew born on July 14th and it just fucking makes me laugh. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty bold move to go from this Oscar winning performance, like you were saying, in leaving Las Vegas to a year later to this big, loud, you know, potentially awful action flick because Michael Bay hadn't really proven himself. Bad Boys was good, but people were still kind of like, you mean the video director? Like, uh, yeah, you know, and so but, you know, I think he benefited uh, Nicolas Cage benefited from uh from these action films and these choices that he made like you were saying with face off and face off and everything all the way up until about 2004 with national treasure because i think 2005 so 15 years ago is where he really he really lost it and he was starting to struggle to find out kind of what he wanted to do he had some action roles like ghost rider and stuff but they were they were flops and he just didn't have that presence as a strict action star so he kind of began switching to like alternative roles. And I think he's pretty solid in, in horror films like Mandy. I think he was good in, uh, you know, there've been a few gems in the past and like kick ass. I really liked him. And then same with yeah, Spider-Man. He was, good at, he was good in kick ass. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I remember at comic con, there was the trailer was when he's shooting uh hit girl with, with the gun. <laughs> She's like Jesus. got a bulletproof vest on. And you're like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, he, he he's a very interesting person and you were uh, you were touching on it earlier. He's just a very interesting person. But I, I do think that this kind of kicked off his his action prowess through that 10 year span or however long you want to call it. Yeah, it was a while. I mean, 20, 20 movies in 10 years is a that's a busy person. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like work. what Die Hard did for Bruce Willis, though, too. Mm hmm. It uh. At, the, at there's some point though you're like fuck another Nicolas Cage movie like there's a there's a <laughs> fatigue that sits in especially when the worst is when you go see a movie and a trailer before the movie has an actor in the movie you're about to watch uh, <laughs> yeah I fucking ha- I hate that I hate yeah. it so much it immediately takes me out of it I'm like man I just fucking saw this guy doing something else and I'm just like I can't I can't do this right now and uh, that happened with Christian Bale. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure I saw a Terminator Salvation trailer before I saw Dark Knight. And I'm just <laughs> probably like, who? Why? Why is this happening I know. right now? I'm just I can't I can't take it. Eight millimeter and Snake Eyes. For the longest time, I confused them as the same movie because they I, they came out around the same time. And I'm like, this fucking guy. He's in all these movies. Like <laughs> this is the exact <laughs> same thing, isn't it? it? That guy in the movie theater, it's like, another Ethan Hawke movie? (laughs) It makes me laugh. I'm like, fuck, dude, you should be glad that Ethan Hawke has a movie that's in theaters. He's like a straight-to-video kind of guy these days. And that's true. Made me laugh. (laughs) Holy shit. What about you? Are you bought into the action star idea? I I mean, what 15-year-old Justin was. I mean, I saw every one of his movies in the theater. I was like, holy shit, dude. 
I like this man. And I had seen, uh, we, I mean, I was literally talking about this last night on the geek legacy podcast, but, uh, looking at his resume, I have seen so many movies of his <laughs> in the theater. Even when I was a little kid, there was this time where, uh, my parents wanted to go to the movies and I couldn't be left home alone. Cause I was like, you know, eight years old or something. And, uh, they went to go see Moonstruck. So, I saw a share movie with Nicolas Cage in the theater because I was like that cock block from my dad when he's trying to have a date night with my mom and uh, it didn't work out. And I had to see a share movie with him and Nicolas Cage. Fascinating, right? Yeah. Um, that's just the way the movie goes. And there was another movie that had uh, uh, David Caruso in it. I forget what the hell it's called, but Nicolas Cage was like a gorilla in this movie. He was so big. Kiss of Death. Kiss of Death. That's what it was. Kiss of Death, 1995. Um, he is just this thug that is ripped. <laughs> He's just this giant gorilla just beating the shit out of everybody in the whole movie. Uh, it's not good. Uh, I don't I don't encourage you to go out and buy it or anything. It says starring Helen Hunt, and she dies in like the first five fucking minutes of the movie. She gets hit by a car. Spoiler, Spoiler. Um but Trapped in Paradise, now that's a comedy, right? So that's that's a Christmas mm-hmm. movie with Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies ever. And, uh, you know, so I I guess I've been a Nicolas Cage fan uh, up at this point my entire life. So everything that he made, I went and saw in the theater. Um, that's just something I felt like I had to do, I guess. Support, support the ones you like, I guess, right? But, I mean, I think you're right. Like, some point after National Treasure, it just kind of kind of goes down. And I don't like any of these other movies that he's in from that moment on. Yeah, totally. And that's sad. And he's in a lot of stuff. He's a busy, busy man. He's got, he has, in 2019, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, six acting credits. I haven't seen any of these. (laughs) That's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, maybe the guy, the guy needs money, dude. Yeah, five five movies in 2011, one of which was Season of the Witch, which is terrible. Awful. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Um, but I digress. Let's talk about the other guy, Sean Connery. You know, this man's a living legend. Uh, he's seen and done it all in film, including horrible movies like Highlander 2, The Quickening, which I saw <laughs> also in the theater. The Avengers, not to be confused with Marvel's Avengers, but the the British spy folk. Um, he's a he's a bad guy that controls the weather, and it's it's not good. <laughs> uh, but but in The Rock, you know, he has this 007 persona. He's a total fucking badass. He is he is going to walk into a room and he's going to own that room. And he's really good at that. He doesn't fuck around. It's basically a one man army. And and uh, obviously The Rock isn't quite a buddy cop movie. But I do think that there's a successful formula with the, the polar opposites that work so well in movies. And uh, I don't know why it works so well, but it's just some sort of fair compromise between two different personalities that that make it work what are your thoughts on that yeah i I think it's really interesting taking uh this geriatric buddy cop role and and placing it into something like this because michael bay for as much shit that as he gets you know people are like his stories aren't great his characters aren't great but i actually really did like what he did with this like the dichotomy of these characters um and he just came off as, you know, Bad Boys, which was a literal buddy, buddy cop movie. So I think he was kind of in that mindset. He's like, shit, dude, it worked. So why not, you know, lightning can strike twice, maybe. Um, so he was able to take kind of what he knew and just change the plot around a little bit. Um, right. It's it's yeah, I know. It's like 
kind of the same, but not really the same. So, and I, I think for lack of a better term, the odd couple role where they're just completely different people, the Harold and Maude <laughs> take on it. It's been around in movies like, um, like twins, uh, when Harry met Sally and the odd couple, uh, that was a show, right? Yeah, it was a show. I think they made a movie out of it, but all I remember was, <laughs> was the show. Uh, but anyhow, Michael Bay, he just kind of used Sean Connery's like great one liners that he had in there and his just his his charisma and everything that I mean, he's he's cool, dude. We know him as that. So he put everything in there and just kind of made him play himself. And he matched uh, Nicolas Cage's inexperience in just this wonderfully symbiotic way. Uh, and then, you know, obviously you get these incredible explosions and just ridiculousness. But you really did root for the characters. And so I I think it just really works. Um, you could do I, I would you say that the bad boys characters are opposites kind of I, I think they come from two different backgrounds and so they have a different outlook on what the job is and what is expected of them and that's mm-hmm. why they're kind of opposites you know mike lowry is mike the first Lowry. one there the last one to leave he takes his job very seriously but at the same time he can live his life differently because he's not married doesn't have kids he has a lot of wealth he looks at things differently versus uh, Martin Lawrence's character, who is family comes first, right? Like he's got to do everything. Every decision he makes, he has to think about his family and whether or not it's it's worth it to to lose what's most important to him. Right. And like, and, you know, obviously the buddy cop thing, the literal buddy cop thing was was like lethal weapon. And uh, oh, gosh, I just blanked on the other one I was thinking of. But yeah, like lethal weapon is, is, is your best bet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like three podcasts in a row now that we talked about Lethal Weapon and we just do that. Uh, it's, better than, community. it's better than it's better than whatever. Oh, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So uh, I and, and obviously it worked for those movies for those forwards because because you had the wildness of of Riggs and the calm. I'm too old for this shit of Murtaugh. And then I think it was really fun in the fourth one when he's like, crap, Murtaugh's Riggs is like, dang, I'm getting too old for this, too. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot you can play around with there. And I really enjoyed that. I think they just let Connery be Connery because he's just such a gem. Yeah, I think he beats his wife, to be honest with you. Maybe he's not oh. a gem then. So. Right. <laughs> he said something about smacking, you know, smacking her around if she deserves it or something like that. It was I forget the quote, so uh, that is probably 100 percent wrong. But there was something to the effect that inferred that he has slapped a woman before. Well, then I stand corrected. He's not a good guy. Mm -mm. Uh, Let's see here. uh, Let's go back to the beginning of this movie, right? We see Ed Harris, you know, he's getting dressed for the day and, you know, he's planning for his big moment while, and, and we're listening to radio chatter about him losing his men in combat. It's, it's pretty intense. There's a lot of different shots going on, but he's ultimately getting dressed for the day. And the beginning of this movie, we're able to, to, to basically understand what his motive is. You know, he's going to be the antagonist. Brigadier General Francis X. Hummel is, is the, the antagonist in this film, he is the one that has taken it upon himself to file a formal complaint against the Marine Corps and the government saying that this fucking bullshit that you guys are doing this wrong. You're spreading lies um, and he can't he can't deal with it anymore. He's talking about how, um, you know, telling family members of fallen Marines fairy tales about why their heroes didn't return home. And that's really, really sad. And um, and we know we, we know that our government lies to us on a daily basis. 
Um, I don't, I don't know why we find it acceptable. You know, we don't do anything about it. We, we never know whole truths. We only get sprinkles of information, which, you know, these snapshots are what lead to conspiracy theories because we don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. We can only formulate what we've heard or what we've seen, what we've read. And, and I'm, I find it remarkable that we find this acceptable. We don't do anything about it. We play our fucking video games. We watch, we watch our, our movie shows and we record podcasts, but we don't really take action. And I, I don't know why that is. And, you know, we just, we literally just choose to nod our heads and not take action. Maybe it's because we're scared. What are we going to do? I think ultimately we sort of have a revolution every four years when we have an election year. And, you know, that's the best we can do is cast our vote, right? And, and hope that the, the lesser of two evils wins. But, you know, Ed Harris, he, he takes action. He believes that what he is doing is right. And he goes so far as to, you know, compare him and his men to, to patriots, much in the way of Washington and Jefferson. And, and is that crazy? Uh, maybe, probably. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really tough to uh, kind of discuss this. I, I'm just, just going to give basically my opinion. But I mean, I think that, you know, while I generally feel that telling the truth is, is pretty much the only route you should ever go, I could see extreme examples in which um, like sensitive information may it, it, it needs to be withheld. Um, right. So knowing things like who JFK's true killer was or, you know, that Area 51 actually exists. It's scary with that because JFK's assassination was huge for people and they've accepted that truth since, you know, the 60s. And so it's it's something that when if we were to just just tell us, especially now, um, there'd be an uprising, probably. I mean, maybe, you know, and then the same thing with the like Area 51. I just think that uh, conspiracy theories can become very dangerous. Um, but I think that with the amount of the misinformation that is spread and especially through social media, like especially during this time, like with COVID and people who are saying, oh, masks do this and that. There's a lot of anecdotal uh, information out there that you have to be really oh, sure. careful with. Yeah, And so, that's that's really what we have, right? It's just information. We absolutely. can go on Twitter right now and read a million different opinions on things or what we, you know, there's this whole idea that because you read it, it's true, which is mm-hmm. weird, but it's just the way our minds work, I suppose. We're, we can be We can be sheep in that way. I know that when I read something about, when I when I see what Goldie Hawn is up to, I'm like, oh shit, man, that's fucking crazy. I I I I am <laughs> I am the worst fish in the world. I I fucking take all the bait that I can, and I I click everything, and I read everything, and I'm just like, wow, it's fascinating. I'm literally the worst. <laughs> I I am the reason why we are who we are, and it's it's fucking fascinating. It blows me away, and I you know I agree with you 100. percent Like there's if if we knew the whole truth about things. Uh, it would shake the very foundation of the way we live and it would be terrifying. And I, you know, people that let's say they cling on to their religion, everything that they, all their values that they hold so true to their heart. If they were to find out some, let's just say some random piece of information that shifts all of that. I, I, that's, that's both sad and unfair. And I would hate that for anyone. Mm -hmm. And on, on one hand, I can see the requirement of, of knowing these truths. Like it's, I, I think that, we're owed that as, as citizens that live in this, in this sure. free country or so. But, but on, on the other hand, I can totally see what information can do to people. Like you were just saying, um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's brutal. Uh, right. We, we, we just live in a weird kinda, time. 
Right. Totally. We're, we're like complacent. We're like, all right, well, that's fine. I'll, I'll deal with it. Yeah. As long as it doesn't affect me, I don't care pretty much. Right. What, what certain people's mindset is. And it's like, I don't know if that's I the know. best. <laughs> so. And it's not. And so like when we see like Portland, for example, right? That fucking town is under siege and yeah. it is scary. You know, I have friends in Portland and people are standing up for what they believe in. They're going on these marches. They're, 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 they're protesting what they believe in uh, peacefully. Uh, so much so that we have, what is it, like the mothers of Portland or something that are out there. And we have these these military people going and beating the shit out of people. There's that video of that Marine, or I'm sorry, the Navy vet who's getting clubbed and sprayed. And he's mm-hmm. like, dude, I'm just fucking standing here. So, I, I mean, it's a scary time. And, and it's literally just people standing up for just trying to show and demonstrate what they believe to be wrong. And and I think they are 100% correct and it's terrifying and it's scary. And I never thought in a million years that I would see tanks driving down the street or armed guards beating the hell out of people, knocking over old people, um, murdering people in the street on camera, attacking, um, you know, reporters. It is it is a terrifying time to be in the United States. And I... and Francis X. Hummel would not have any part of this. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the, your your patriot comment on it, like, is is he a patriot? I mean, he's not that far off. Uh, his whole mindset was still kind of along the lines of military protocol. You know, they they failed this mission, so they would just need to move on. He he was trying to do something revolutionary and he was trying to limit casualties. He, he didn't want even the Navy SEALs like he didn't want them to die. Um and he diverted that missile at the last minute, but it's like, how far does he he need to stretch his his cause? And that's why I think those the bad guys mutinied against him. And you know, he was like, "Mission's over, bitch." The other guy's like, "No." Yeah. So you know, just take it from Wreck-It Ralph. Just because he is bad guy does not make him bad guy. Right. Exactly. And there are some t- like uh like Tony Todd's character, um, and then that other guy. I forget his name. That Captain creep. Pharaoh. Yeah. Oh man, those two make the Lord very nervous. And uh Candyman uh, and Captain Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Like they they are creepers and they're bad, yeah. And and you definitely see the difference between the two. Like that when that switch happens, when he realizes like, you know, we had a bluff and they called it and the mission's over. Um and they take it a step further. And that is and 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 it's not even like fucking Dr. Evil money. They're doing this for a million dollars. In 1996, yeah. I'm sure a million dollars gets you, you know, a pimp my ride car, but like, it's not a whole lot of money at the end of the day. No, I find that and, remarkable. and it's from a slush fund that was, you know, they got it from selling illegal firearms. And it's just so interesting to me that the government would go through all this not to pay out vets when it's like the right thing to do. If this movie took place in 2020, um, I, I this would hit Twitter and people would be like, just pay him. And then they would have to cave. The government would be like, all right, we're paying him. <laughs> yeah. Trump, Trump would be like, I, you know, I wanted to pay him. It was my idea all along. And he'd take full responsibility for it and be like, you know, I'm the greatest, blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, <laughs> without I going know. on too much. I just thought, I thought the plot was a little thin on that point. I'm like, what it the is. fuck? Why don't I they mean, just pay him? <laughs> uh, for, for it's, it's, I mean, obviously the United States does not negotiate with terrorists. You do it once, you're going to do it again. If you give a mouse a cookie, right? That's the rule. Yeah. And, um, so I'm, I guess I get it on that level, but it, I just found that uh, remarkable. I mean, if it would have been like Street Fighter where they want a billion dollars, uh, you know, I, I might be like, oh, shit, that's a lot of money. But I mean, I was in the hospital for six days. And when I saw my medical bill, I was like, Jesus Christ, I could have fucking taken over the rock for this kind of money. And uh, I just find that remarkable. Yeah. 
What can you do? Um, now, let me ask you this. Uh, is too much action a bad thing? You know, it's, a, it's an hour into this movie before the SEAL team actually gets on the chopper to head to the island. Uh, but before uh, we have that, we have the rocket heist. We have uh, the care package, the hotel escape, the big car chase in the city. And once we get uh, to the rock, it's almost nonstop action from from there. You know, uh, but every, after every shootout, there's there's like a tiny bit of breathing room. You know, like you're able to have a quick conversation about what just happened. And uh, do you think that that helps or hurts the cinematic experience? Are you are you all in guns a blazing, or do you prefer to make time for tea, as it were? So, I I do think that too much action can be problematic when it's not done properly. Uh, Michael Bay, he may not be the best at doing that. Um, unfortunately, uh, I, I think some of his camera work and his disregard for property damage and plot de- <laughs> yeah. and plot, plot devices and me like I I personally do not like movies that that deal with property damage because I'm like what are they gonna do like in movies where you know 2012 or whatever when that movie happened or Deep Impact I'm like what happens how do you rebuild after this so that always bugs me on a personal level but you know um, <laughs> and then when they throw yeah. that one line like I hope you're insured. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, fuck off, dude. Yeah. You know, that's that's uh, a home alone dialogue kind of thing. So my eight year old says not, uh, not Sean Connery. (laughs) Some of his action is, is just really pointless at times with that. Uh, So the oversaturation, it definitely can hurt a film. And I think in this particular movie, I, I, I think that that is a weak point in it because you're just like, Jesus, slow down for a second. Let me not get dizzy from watching all these edits and how shaky cam you are and whatever. Um, It's probably my biggest gripe with this in, in the majority of his movies, but you know, if it's a good director like James Cameron or George Miller who get behind the camera, we're treated to amazing films like aliens or Mad Max Fury Road or T2. Right. So, and I was talking about Mad Max at the beginning. We talked about all those films essentially um, and how much, what, what they did for the genre. And so I think in that certain sense, after I look at it, look at the body of work of what Michael Bay did, he really kind of stylized that. And he really gave a, too much action is a good thing sort of to some movies. And I think some directors really latched onto that and they stole it. Um, they may have done it better than he, than he has. They may have done it worse, but I, I definitely think it's, it's something to say that, you know, he's responsible for. So it's not, it's not good or bad necessarily, but who's he Michael Bay, uh, Michael Bay. Yeah. MB. But um, yeah, I, I think with, with Mad Max and aliens, you know, both those films have just enough breathing room for the audience to come back from the edge of their seat. I mean, me, when I saw Fury Road in, in IMAX, I was literally on the edge of my seat. And I was like, holy shit. So, uh, you know, but I think for um, for modern action films, I will always prefer story uh, in general. And I would say films within the past maybe five or ten years. And that's just because I've matured. But I do love me a good cheesy action fil- uh, film at times, too. You know, I need to preheat that oven before I put the pizza in. So that's why I like story a little bit better. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. Well, I think with what's different between Mad Max, with Fury Road specifically and The Rock, is that the the set piece you know the 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 aesthetic i'm i'm in the rock i'm looking at dudes in tactical military gear and helicopters and, <laughs> and helicopters and, and, and a prison right yeah. whereas with fury road i don't even know what to look at it's it's big shots with a lot happening and it's one of those movies where every time you watch it you could see something different mm-hmm. you know it, it captures this huge 
circus that is taking place and unfolding in front of your very eyes. Whereas with Michael Bay, he tells you what you're going to look at. And I think that there's a difference yeah. with, with that. Do you, so there's one really great thing about, well, I, I shouldn't say just one. I mean, the more and more we kind of discuss, there's there's quite a few great things about Michael Bay. And uh, one of the biggest things that I, I've noticed from him is he composes great shots. Uh, he wants each one of his shots, I would say the majority of his shots to be something uh, that you maybe have never seen before or from a different angle. I mean, they do basically mastered the parallax shot where that slow-mo kind of, you know, low angle circling yeah, shot like that's when, in like when he every falls movie. on his knees. Yep. At, you know, like when he's got the flares. Yep. He, like, he, oh, he does okay. it. Yeah. He does it in every film. He does the one where uh, the camera follows some sort of bomb or Optimus prime or whatever. Right. But, the helicopter blade, like above the helicopter and it's all yep. slowed down. Yep. Yeah. The helicopters uh, flying through the sunset. Like the guy, knows how to how to put on a a, a spectacle like a right. visual spectacle i mean yeah. he, he's if, a visionary for sure yeah if i had a, a 85 inch tv and and 9.9 dolby surround sound i just made that up i mean his movies made that, george that, lucas cream <laughs> in his pants there you go marty mcfly style it's gonna blow me away yeah. but uh i mean that's what that's what that shit was invented for surround sound basically is like Michael Bay films. And there's no denying that, that when you look at his films and, and his shots, they're just visually stunning and he's meant to, to captivate you. And that's what I mean. Like these are great popcorn flicks. Like you were saying, like all of his films are just great popcorn flicks. I agree. Even the bad ones. I fell asleep in the last night, like five times and the movie was still on, but I mean, it might, I worked a long day and I was at one of the, what is it like the eye pick or whatever that theater is where oh, you have yeah. like the, the recliner way, it, chairs? It's way shit? too comfy there though. It's yeah, way too comfy. I, I yeah. fucking passed out. I was like, Jesus Christ. Every time I woke up, I'm like, fuck, this movie is still on. Are you serious? Uh, poor Felix. He was just, every time I looked at him, he just shook his head. Like I was the asshole. I'm like, dude, it's fucking boring. Um, I know I felt bad. It was terrible. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, but, um, Let's uh, let's talk about that shower scene. How crazy was that? You know, like, were you honestly expecting the entire team to be wiped out? You know, it's uh, what's important about this scene is it really reinforces uh, the idea that Ed Harris isn't a monster, which I think is important. Um, you know, he's calling for a ceasefire and he's telling him, you're crazy, man. Just fucking stand down. Like, what's your problem, man? And, um, you know, even before that, he told the kids that are on the field trip to just tell your teacher that you need to get back on the boat. Um, so we see that he's not necessarily a bad man. Um, I think he's he's definitely conflicted and he's angry. Um, but and, and you might even feel sympathy for him, like before the movie's over, which I think is incredible uh, when you have that. And um, you know, in your mind, does that make for a better antagonist, or do you prefer a clear cut, um, you know, villain, uh, maybe even a scary villain? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think the shower scene was, was very intense, like you're saying. And we've seen traps like that before in movies where you're kind of like, they're going to die, dude. I know that they're going to die. And <laughs> well, I look like a sitting duck. <laughs> yeah. Die Hard 2. <laughs> exactly. So that's immediately what I thought of was Die Hard 2. And I was I was actually almost expecting a twist like in Die Hard 2. So I was expecting either one of two things. I was expecting them to get annihilated, which they did, or them to turn like when was it John Amos or whatever, when um, they came in and we found out there were blanks and they actually joined Colonel whatever his name was. But uh, that's what I felt it was like. 
And so I, I thought the shower scene was just absolutely brutal. And Michael Bean did a great job. He's very good at yelling. That whole inter- interchange yeah, between I both of them. That yeah, yeah. cuz they both and he's, fast. Yep, yeah. and he's like he's like general, you know I agree with you, but like I can't give that order. And and that's where you really that's where I think it was it was great and Michael Bay he, he shined a lot in that cuz he gave some depth into that cuz we were con- being conflicted too, you know. So I really did like how he just kind of made his made Ed Harris uh sympathetic. And Ed Harris is just such a, a gem of an actor. Um, you know, he, he treated this, it, it, it wasn't black and white, his situation. And I think it really added to the drama to an otherwise, you know, crazy blockbuster action spectacular. Uh, unfortunately, the, the one thing and I was reading about this too is Ed Who Harris. Talks like that? <laughs> I don't know. Ed, Ed Harris was button heads with Michael Bay because um, Bay wanted to do a lot of tight, like close up shots where Ed Harris was acting with his body. And uh, he was doing his Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, see, but yeah, um, with his hand on his waist, like he's a teapot and he, there, there and he, he, he directs his hands, his right hand one way and he puts his left hand on his waist. Mm-hmm. That's how he talks. There you go. But, uh, Ed Harris was, was kind of upset, upset with that, but he just, he really held it off, you know, pulled it off with poise. Um, so I, I do think that it's better to, to have, I, maybe in this situation, a sympathetic villain. Mm-hmm. but because he's the one that feels betrayed by his country yeah because that's so that, you need that, to relate to that in some yeah. way yeah otherwise we just have a generic action film and i think that really is what set this one apart in in my most humble opinion mm-hmm. i think that's fair colonel stewart was the guy that you were thinking of there played by go. william sadler in die hard Two, die harder you mean the grim reaper yeah <laughs> exactly um no i mean i think that that's true i mean um you know, I, I had I had taken the time to just kind of think of some sympathetic villains uh, that include but are not limited to like Darth Vader, Loki, Magneto, uh, Killmonger from from Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely like Mr. Freeze, not Arnold's Mr. Freeze, but just the villain himself, Mr. Freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's a good point that you had, actually. And um you know, someone that's a huge Batman fan, there's a big difference to me between Mr. Freeze and like, let's say the Joker, someone that's not sympathetic. Totally. Um, two very different types of villains, both commit crimes, which is bad, but I mean, um, you know, I could, I can understand the motive behind Mr. Freeze, which I totally. find fascinating. Totally. Um, and I put on there too, Roy Batty, like from Blade Runner, uh, Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, he got fired. What the hell, man? I'm going to steal stuff. He wasn't killing anybody. He was just stealing shit. Right. Um, And then Raul Silva from, uh, from, I'm sorry, James Bond movies. Yeah. 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 Um, Um, Skyfall, Skyfall. Skyfall, Sorry. Brain fart. Anyways, you know, (laughs) there you go. There you go, Adele. And then, uh, and then also I I felt sympathetic for Jaws because he was trying to eat man. And then sharks don't eat that much. It's ridiculous. He's a big boy. He needs, he needs a lot of calories per day. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of swimming. Swimming's hard, man. Look at Michael this Phelps. It always bothers me in movies when sh- sharks just don't stop eating. It's like, dude, <laughs> you're fucking full. Take a break. Portion control, uh, baby. It's ridiculous. Jeez. <laughs> don't like it. Um, but yeah, I mean, because like uh, Inglorious Bastards, right? Colonel Hans Landa. That guy gave me the fucking creeps like mm-hmm. he speaks 18 languages he shows up all the time and unannounced he loves milk <laughs> yeah he's just a creep like uh, i mean take away just him even being a nazi which is like the worst thing in the world he's still a fucking creep like he enjoys what he does and that 
it's awful. He is mm. just off putting. Um, and I, and I don't like it, you know, just fucking bothers me. I agree. Um, now what letter grade do you give the rock? So this one, I wrote down notes on it just because I was like, I was pondering it. Um, because I, I really did want to do this movie to explore it. It had been a long time since I seen it. And I know that it has a foothold in action film history. And I just really wanted to understand it better. So what I did is I did a deep dive into YouTube uh, and it kind of started. Well, first of all, it was hard to find things on the rock because it just kept pulling up Dwayne Johnson. But when you t- <laughs> even when you typed in the rock film, it was frustrating. So then I started looking at Michael Bay stuff and I implore anybody out there who who's not a huge Michael Bay fan uh, to go ahead on go go on YouTube and type in things like why is Michael Bay good or what is Bayhem and basically there are so many fascinating videos out there that really kind of break it down and ex- and and discuss and like so here's the thing that I've basically come down to about Michael Bay movies they may not be the greatest in terms of plot story or or well, even acting, but there's no denying that Michael Bay creates these films that are damn near impossible to look away from. They're, they're, they're spectacles, right? And it's basically, like I said earlier, what surround sound was created for, in my opinion. The, the guy mastered the parallax shot and he uses the camera to emphasize this, this big grand scale of everything that's on the screen. And we see this a lot in films like Pearl Harbor and Transformers. You you get a relation of what the sizes of, of the things around you compared to small things like a light post, which fun fact, he puts a he puts a lot of light posts in his movies for some reason. But I think it's honestly for scale. It's like banana for scale. Right. right. Um, and his shots are composed of movement, composition and fast editing to create a sense of epic scale. And that is what I looked up. Um, it's from this great video called Every Frame of Painting. Uh, it's this. YouTube series. Uh, that is what he describes as Bayham. And, and you've heard that term Bayham, right? Yeah. Yeah. So his, it's, it's the, uh, I'm sorry. It's the movement composition and fast editing to create a sense of epic scale. And then I asked on the Twitter there, if people believed in Bayham, if they loved or hated Michael Bay, our buddy Rob was like, you know, if he has a few good movies, but a lot more meh to holy. That was terrible. He's got some decent producer credits, though. I especially love Black Sails. And I mean, I agree with that. I think he does good for his productions. Uh, and then Ken was like, his movies are usually stupid fun. Sometimes they can be really bad, like Pearl Harbor or the Transformers sequels. But there's good enough like The Rock, Bad Boys, Armageddon to offset it. I agree. I love Armageddon. Love it. Uh, and then really, and then our buddy Jeff, he said, really good stuff when there are people to contain the banus, really bad stuff when he's left to his own devices. <laughs> <laughs> he's through. He's he's through. And then Steve was just like, I love his work. Love some of the films he directed, The Rock, Bad Boys, Transformers. And, and he produced some great films as well. Um, the TCM remake, A Quiet Place and The Purge. I, I did like Texas Chainsaw a lot. Um, oh, so yeah, dude. I absolutely love that one. But, uh, you know, Platinum Dunes, I think is this production company. Is it? Oh, yeah. I've seen that everywhere. I did not know that, actually. But mm-hmm. w- when you're watching the movies, you feel the size of his films with with his focus on that action. And you you can't avert your eyes because um, we visually comprehend what's going on, even though we may not necessarily analytically understand what's going on. It's like I can see all these things. And especially when he uses his slow mo to slow things down. It's like action, action, action. Oh, shit. Megatron's jumping through the air and he's getting ready to stab somebody. And then boom, now it goes again. And it's really cool. Um and then there, is that know, I, is that your moment to breathe in the slow motion shots? Is uh, that when you're like, is that your moment where you're able yes. to just like 
holy shit, so much is happening right yes. now. <laughs> let me yes. just let me just focus on this guy kneeling or this person looking at the flag waving or that car driving away or that helicopter flying. <laughs> the flag like, waving. Holy shit, my, <laughs> yeah. my head hurts right now. It's like, fuck, I am just rattled. Yeah, you know, no, I, I, mean, I think I think that's exactly what it's for. It's for it to slow down and be like, look at what I did. It's awesome. It's super cool, right? Yeah. So, Have you ever seen helicopter blades like this before? <laughs> Have you ever seen Tyrese run through the desert like this? But, yeah. you know, and there's a reason that Michael Bay is still making movies. I mean, he just did uh, what that that something six movie for with uh, Ryan Reynolds on Netflix. Um, yeah, I think Bad Boys was his practice swing and and The Rock was really his home run. He introduced this this formula for action films for for that decade, the 90s and early 2000s that just involved these stereotypical stereotypical side characters, big, big budget explosions and fast car chase scenes. I had to write this down because my mind was flowing. And this Six was the first ground. Is that what you're talking? Yeah, about? there you go. Yeah, I heard it wasn't very good. Um, but, you know, this was the first time we had ever really seen a film done like this. But God damn, it is fun. And that, I think that's basically a great um, adjective to use for any of, of uh, Michael Bay's films. They're just fun, dude. I think I honestly think that this is one of the greatest action movies of all time because of what he did for the genre. You can totally see a movie and be like, that looks like a Michael Bay film or produced by Michael Bay or a disciple of Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the only thing I hiccup I can think of is the the shaky cam editing. And then just with the action being a little too much at the beginning. But even that I got over. So, yeah, I'm sorry that was long winded. But basically, my letter grade for this is an is an A minus. Is that what the question was? <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. I wanted to kind of go into some of the Michael Bay stuff just because I think it's fascinating to learn about this guy. And you could even argue that he is one of the greatest filmmakers of our generation. Like legit, you could argue it just for what he's done. He sticks to his guns, man. He knows that his movies are like he likes guns. He has a lot of guns in his movies. That's true. He likes he he. The only thing I one thing I really don't like is how he objectifies women, though, in it, too. I mean, when I was, you know, watching Megan Fox as a kid, I was obviously like aroused. But as I grew older, I'm like, yeah, you can't do that, man. You got to <laughs> you got you to learn your lessons. Um, and so unfortunately, he, he still kind of does that. And then his whole patriotism is a little weird, but there's no denying that if you watch a movie, you'll know Bayhem when you see it. And you're like, this has got to be this has got to be Michael Bay, right? Yeah, he's he's into that. And I like the music, too. Uh, it it kind of has like this fun pace to it. Like, yeah. yeah, or saddle. No, like uh, what do you call it? buckle in kind of thing. That's kind of cool. <laughs> we're going to we're going to sell you a whole seat, but you only need the edge sort of thing. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> Did- to the rocks day. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to football's day. <laughs> oh, dude, Hans Zimmer did the score. Yeah, Hans Zimmer is really a good. he's a god. And, and yeah, so it's interesting. What do you OK? I'm sorry. What is your letter grade? Good, sir. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I easily get this movie an A minus. I have the time of my life when I watch it. I think it's absolutely bonkers and ridiculous. And it's an absurd uh, piece of cinema. But I just soak it all up. I love it. I love everything about it. I think Sean Connery is fucking awesome in this movie. He is he is 007 and just beats the shit out of every human being that comes in front of him. And I think it's so cool. And I love how he knows that um, it's all a lie and that he's being used. Uh, but he sees the good in Stanley Goodspeed. And he recognizes that this is a man that is, you know, a man of his word and that he takes him under his wing. And I think that that's great. And at the end of the day, you know, someone that has had his entire life stolen from him, he sees the value in saving the day and he's trying to reconnect with his daughter. There's a lot going on. It's all one minute here, one minute there. But 
at the end of the day, it's save the world or we're all fucked kind of thing. And, and I like those kind of stakes. I think it's fun. And, um, and I'm, I'm bought in, man. I love it. I, I do think Nicolas Cage is a little ridiculous in this movie and yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be Nicolas Cage in this movie. Um, it, it could be insert random actor number six. Um, and I would still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he does have a quirkiness and a charm, I suppose. And that might've been cute when he was, you know, in circa 1996, but I don't, I don't need it now. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of people in this movie. It's got a pretty awesome cast. Oh my and, god! And everyone yeah. just blows it out of the water. I mean, I, I can't even. I, I'm guilty of this too. Like you know, I was bragging about William Forsythe being amazing in this movie, and um, you know, I don't have that conversation every day. But when I, as soon as I see him on the screen, I'm like, oh fucking William Forsythe, that guy's such a badass. And Michael Bean, it's it's like every role was. It's almost like every role was written for each person in this. They all just just fucking brought their A game and. Uh, no one uh, phones it in, which adds to the incredibleness of this spectacle. Dude, this movie, we could go down the IMDb list and be like, I would name the person and we could probably be like, oh, yep, I remember him from something. I mean, there was a guy, I got to find him. I mean, Tony Todd was in The Practice, right? I don't know if you remember that show, The Practice. Uh, I got to find him. Greg Collins is his name. He played He played Private Gamble. He was uh, the bad guy whose head got exploded by the AC unit. Uh, he was in the office. He was actually in the episode of threat level midnight when he's like, I got a package for you. And he tries to shoot Michael Scott. Um, but like, there's so many that guy moments. And and I use that term from this great podcast. I listened to called the rewatchables, but they're like, who's the best that guy. And like, this movie is filled with them. It has so many actors that we've seen, like Claire For- Forlani. I had the hugest crush on her in the nineties. Um, I still do. You, I said, she's you said Tony Todd was in the in the practice. Uh, yeah, no, sorry, not Tony. Candyman. Todd. Um, oh. Sorry, not Tony, not not Tony Todd. Um, uh, Steve Harris. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? So, so, sorry, not. <laughs> and then, yeah, well, obviously Tony Todd with Candyman and stuff like that. But um, and then did you see Tuco was in it? Did you notice that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wasn't that funny? The man bun and everything. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So there was uh, there were quite a few for the people. Rodents. Yeah. And all the doctors um, like uh, David Bow, I guess is his name. I'm just looking it up right now. He's like in the cable guy. Uh, he's in kicking and screaming. He's in a whole bunch of stuff. And you'd recognize him from bit bit roles. So mm-hmm. this movie was was filled with those types of people. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know it's it's fucking great. I, I love it. I mean, the. As absurd as the movie is, I don't care. I like I said, I'm bought in. Like I, it's the music, it's the it's the the action, it's the stars. It all just comes together, and it's a really good formula. And Michael Bay uh, knocked it out of the park with that one. And and not to sell um, Bad Boys short, like I I really enjoy the shit out of the Bad Boys movie. When I I remember watching, it, I saw it at the drive-in. I was like, man, it's a pretty fucking good movie. And uh, um, you know, it just sort of laid the groundwork for for this man to where he gets a blank check to make an action movie. Yeah. And then the rest was history. I mean, he elevated so many stars to basically like a listers like Ben Affleck, uh, Shia LaBeouf, Megan Fox and uh, Nicholas Cage. So it's, I mean, um, you could even say yeah. Will Smith, you know, he made the transition yes. from, oh, absolutely. from, from music to, to TV to being an a lister uh, movie star. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, for as much shit as I've given Michael Bay over the years, I really respect him and appreciate what he's done. And he's grown on me throughout, throughout the years. Cause I going through the list, I'm like, holy shit. I like that movie. I like that movie. I like that movie. I mean, yeah, I will always watch Armageddon. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Anyways, man, that's all I have. Do you have anything else? I don't. I am. I am tapped out. Me I need too. To, I need to escape the rock. Oh, you know what? I take that back. Um, so I have been to Alcatraz. Have you ever been to Alcatraz? No, because the the first time I went to San Francisco uh, was probably like five years ago, and they weren't doing tours. They think they stopped them in ninety seven or ninety eight or something like that, maybe uh, or two thousand. I mean, they might have just closed it down for a day or something. But because mm. uh, I I went most recently in two thousand and nine. Did you go and in the actual yeah, prison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. Um, so oh. I've gone I've gone three times to Alcatraz, and every time I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this ever again. But that's just the way the world works. I went when I was eight. I went when I was 18, and I went again when I was 29. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you'd say 28. I'm like, every 10 years. Actually, it was 28 <laughs> because I went in. I take a true story. I went in January, and my birthday is in June. So I would have been 28, and, uh, and that was in 2009. And um yeah i don't uh i don't ever need to go back uh not to take anything away from it i'm just kind of sick of it the tour hasn't changed the plant the place hasn't changed the only thing about it is um they're not really dealing with the upkeep so uh as the place falls apart they shut off and close down certain areas of the prison because it's just you know not safe it would be condemned you know it's a it's a derelict prison it's 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 it is literally a rock now to where it's not safe so um it makes perfect sense not to have tours in certain areas of the prison if they're not going to keep it up and it would be impossible to anyway with all that like they don't have the true coat on the walls to keep the salt (laughs) off and uh yeah i was not a fan but now i didn't have a tour guide like in the movie they got that ranger bob dude Mm -hmm. walking around and when i was there uh, all three times you had a uh, like a Walkman that you put on with these headphones and it was a, a guided tour that you listened to as you walked through the prison. That's badass. You know, I, I was chuckling when you were talking because I'm thinking of you in 8, 18, and 28-year-old Justin going, welcome to the rock, and sticking a <laughs> thumb up to people when they walk in. Uh, I, I, I didn't do that. I, I know, but I wanted you to. Or I wanted you to be uh, like, losers complain about doing their best, and winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> right. He had yeah. so many good one-liners, but that's, no, I, when I was, when I went to San Francisco, a few times I've been there, they've, I don't ever remember seeing tours there, but maybe I'm just crazy. So. Yeah. Don't be crazy, Zach. I'll try not Don't to. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so if you get the chance, uh, I mean, maybe it's more magical for you, but I'm sure you could just do the Google images or maybe watch that uh, Alcatraz movie with Clint Eastwood and there you you'll go. get your fill. Make a paper mache dummy. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That's another thing. They So they have the three gel cells there with the guys that, the three men that supposedly escaped um, and how they... They how they did it and how they use spoons as their little their little shovels and and um, there's a, it's a great story sure uh, but fucking San Francisco is freezing every day yeah. of the yeah. year and there's no way you would get in that water and not just just scream bloody murder until water filled your lungs and you died like I don't I don't see how a human being could swim from Alcatraz to the mainland without just giving up on life because the water is so cold but whatever <laughs> right. stranger things have happened 
Um, I, I hope they made it, and I hope they're living well and living large and in charge and 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 sucking on chili dogs outside of Tasty Freeze. <laughs> there you go. That's a song. <laughs> I know, Jack and Diane. <laughs> Little did ever, Jack and Diane. Um, oh, Jesus. But yeah, that's all I got. Do you want to take us out? Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy. I can't do it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Uh, remember to follow us on the Twitter there. I read some tweets earlier. Thank you to anybody who follows us and gives us suggestions. We're going to probably do, uh, I really like that Disturbia thing that Justin was talking about with Rear, View, or with, uh, Rear Window or Starship Troopers. So give us some suggestions. But you can find us at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zachdale60. And, uh, yeah, make sure you share your thoughts with us. We'll discuss them on our show. We'll say your name with Destiny's Child. But, uh, I, oh, yeah, messed up. Sorry. <laughs> um, please be sure to also check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James and Justin. A lot of good stuff. Uh, Comic-Con is going on right now. There's a lot of good games out. I see a lot of uh, Ghost of Shishima, so I think I need to jump on that bandwagon. But uh, check those podcasts out. Love them. The only thing we ask is please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening to Football Today. (laughs) Say the thing, Justin. Oh, uh, thank you so much. (laughs) 